Let us pray. Our hope is in the Lord indeed, for there is no other that we can trust. And our Lord changes not. We can always depend upon His grace. And we commemorate that grace now in giving, not from a sense of compulsion, but from a sense of great gratitude. And we do this to the King of kings and Lord of lords, even Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. That frail body of Weta, fool you. That is one strong lady. She has a strong husband as well. Let's prepare ourselves this morning in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer, the option of naming our unconfessed sins to God the Father, which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you are our God and that you change not. We can all depend, always depend upon your integrity, your character, in fact, all the ten attributes of your essence. We surely need it. We recognize that the times are going to get a lot better someday when Christ returns, but before then they're going to get a lot worse. So we pray that you will help us to focus on your mighty word that it will sustain us, that it will guide us and embolden us. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Every once in a while, a picture grabs you. And I have a picture this morning to show you that uh, grabbed me. It doesn't really have anything to do with what we're going to be studying today. But... Uh, Here it is. Um, these are Israeli soldiers, and it looks like they might be on a, a tarmac here. And um, I would assume that they were ordered to sit in that particular area because none of them are getting up. This is the daddy. This is his little girl. The Heading says, here's a happy child greeting her father at the end of an IDF exercise, Israeli defensive force. We salute the brave troops who keep Israel safe. What I like about this, I like everything about it. Look at the, look at the looks on these other guys' faces. But none, none of them match his face, do they? The little girl is running up there to him. You've got the Israeli flag. This probably is an officer over here. It, that, doesn't that just get you? Anyway, I thought I would, uh, when I have pictures like that, I thought it would be good to share it with you all because, uh, like they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. We've been studying what we know and call faith rest. We found this in Joshua, and then we went to Hebrews. <clears throat> we went to 2 Corinthians. We've been to a lot of scriptures. And we ended last week with the essence box. The essence box is just a visual that shows God's ten attributes. In order to faith rest, you have to know something. 
You have to know promises. You have to know the essence box. Because you can decide to either focus on the problem, and when you do that, the problem gets bigger and bigger, or you can choose to focus on the solution. And the solution isn't any temporal solution. It's the solution. And that is that place of rest that God has given us. It's a place of rest in our soul. It's a place of contentment, of security, of peace, of quiet. Isn't that what we want in this hustle-bustle world? Even on, a, on an average day, we need to have a place that we can go in our soul to turn down the noise, to get rid of the static and be at rest. This is what God has given us. And we found in Hebrews chapter 4 that it still is available today. Now Joshua gave the Israelites the rest from their enemies in a temporal fashion. But Hebrews chapter 4 picks up on that, that, that temporal peace and rest that Joshua has and said that there's another rest. There's another kind of rest and then we launched into faith rest. So even though we're in the middle of Joshua, we're focusing on what we call faith rest. Now today we're going to see another aspect of that because there's another thing that you have to incorporate into your soul, into your thinking, if you are going to have that peace and contentment in your soul that God desires. And make no, no mistake, God wants every believer to be able to go to that place where it is going to suppress the stress of this world. Stress is a killer. I mean, stress is truly a killer. And when you go to this faith rest, what it demonstrates is that the circumstances that life may throw at you are not as powerful as the rest that God provides. So what we're going to look at today is something that we call logistical grace. There are six kinds of grace. I thought about going through that this morning, but I, I, I'm not going to sacrifice that time. We're going to focus just on logistical grace. I don't usually do this on Sunday, but I'm going to put the notes up on the board so that you can see them. If you're taking notes, that will aid you. But also, the visual always helps imprint on your soul things that will help you remember this so important thing. So incorporated with this faith rest that God wants you to utilize, not only is there His promises, not only is there the essence box, but today we add logistical grace to it. So I'm going to put that on the board. The notes. Here they are. Let's see if I can get this on full view and full screen and see if we don't mess up something. Still there? Okay. Um, George, won't you turn these lights off over my head here? You can see the board better, and it's not such a glare from here. You know, 
I don't ever see my DVDs. I'd rather not do that. But a few times I've had, I have, and I thought, two floodlights right off the dome here. And I'm thinking, do I really look like that? It was a, a great injury to my image there. Okay, so we're going to start with a definition with regards to logistical grace. What are logistics? It's the science of the movement, supplying, and maintenance of military forces in the field. And I think this is altogether proper that we use a military example here because we are in a war. We are Christian soldiers. Sometimes we forget that fact. But every single day you are enlisted in the ranks of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to know how to use your weapons. And we have spiritual weapons. Of course, the most obvious is the Word of God. And you are not to be paralyzed by fear. This is one reason that we have this logistical grace. Now, the spiritual definition of logistical grace is as follows. Divine planning, divine support, divine provision, and divine blessing for the execution of God's plan for every member of the royal family of God. And if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are a royal family of the member of God. And if I was giving you a quiz, if, I was, if you were the young people's class, I would automatically go into my question mode here, and I would ask you, well, why is it that you are a royal family? What is the, what is the thing that distinguishes you as a royal family member? Is it because you act like one? <laughs> no. Technically speaking, it's because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you ask most believers that, and they look like a deer caught in the headlights. They don't have a clue what that's talking about. We are royal family. We belong to the Most High God. And He takes care of His own. That's what logistical grace is really about. He supplies all of these things. Look at that. Before each word, notice divine. That means this is God provided. He plans. The, a man plans his way, but the, God directs his steps. Proverbs. Um, divine support. All kinds of support. First one that comes to mind is what? Money, right? We have to have money. We, we have to have money to live. He, he provides that. Divine provision and divine blessing. And why, why is all that? Because he wants you to have just as much fun as you can possibly have. That's what a lot of people think his life is all about. Uh, well, I've got to squeeze out as much fun as I can because life is short. And that is true. Life is short. But it's not about having fun. It's about executing God's plan. And you cannot do that as a spiritual ignoramus. And unfortunately, the woods are crowded with that type. For the execution of God's plan in the royal family. All right, let's get on with it. Point one. Logistical grace is provided for every church-age believer, both winners and losers. I hope that I'm looking at all winners. The fact that you hear, that you are here, is a good sign. That would be a mark over in the winner's column. 
But just because you're here doesn't necessarily mean that you're a winner. Uh, there may be unbelievers in our midst. I don't know. And there may be believers who are here against their will or they're just didn't have, uh, they're, they're trying to impress somebody. Who knows? Aren't you glad that we don't have some kind of badge or something that has a big W or a big L on it? We don't go around like, you know, I think that would get people's attention. They'd probably be more interested in going to church. But we don't have that. It's a good thing. But it's for every kind of believer. If you are a believer, you are a son or a daughter of the Most High, and He takes care of you. Now, here's a question that comes to mind. Is that fair? Is it fair that the loser believers, those that don't give a hoot about God or His Word or anything else, they're going to get the same logistical grace support that you do. Should we get some pickets made and start picketing about this? Well, where would we go? Where would we picket? Oh, of course, I say that uh, facetiously. Uh, and I'm going to prove through God's Word that it is fair. Absolutely, the target of logistical grace is the righteousness of God. Remember that the righteousness of God, which is found in both winner and loser believers. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have one of the, if not the most valuable commodity within the whole universe. And that is, you have God's righteousness. Even unbelievers should, should be attracted to that because they're trying to be accepted by God by their own righteousness. In fact, that's what religion is. All religions, and I'm not incorporating Christianity as part of a religion, but all religion has that in common. It is man trying to gain the approbation or maybe even the salvation of God through his own effort. And for Christians, it's not what we do for God. It's what he has done for us that matters. Personal merit has nothing to do with... with uh, with it, that's why we call it logistical grace, right? People use that word all the time. They sing amazing grace, and they don't have a clue what grace is all about because then they go out there and they start doing penance. They start doing all these works in order to try to gain God's approbation. You know what grace is? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. That's what grace is. Mercy, by the way, is not getting what you do deserve. And I need a lot of that mercy. Uh, also, winners take advantage of logistical grace. Losers have it, but they don't utilize it. Every believer has it. You're a child of God. He's going to give you everything that you need in order to accomplish His plan, whether you're a, a winner or a loser. Logistical support depends on who and what God is, not who and what we are. If anything else, I wish I had highlighted that somehow, that's what you've got to carry in your soul. That's what people who are grace-oriented think and believe. That God gives us this support. He also gives us blessings, as we will see, based on who and what He is. Aren't you glad of that? Now, on a good day, you might think, well, <clears throat> come on, God, give me what I deserve. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I don't have the courage to do that. But some people may think that. But then on the, on, on the bad days, you think, well, I don't think that's such a good idea. 
The integrity of God is perfect because it's based on His perfect righteousness and justice. It's God's justice and His righteousness that undergirds this logistical grace. And I'm going to go into a few things here that helps give the foundation of how God operates and how He's able to give you this logistical grace because of who and what He is. First of all, what the righteousness of God demands, the justice of God executes. This is God's integrity. The righteousness is a principle. The justice is a function. And what God's, whatever God, uh, God's righteousness approves of, the justice of God blesses. What the righteousness of God rejects, the justice of God judges. You might notice that there's no middle ground here. There's, there is blessing and there is judgment. I was talking to uh, a believer in the prison system in uh, Florida yesterday, and uh, we kind of we were kind of touching on this. And he, by the way, he's teaching a Bible class in that prison. Fourteen guys are coming to his Bible class, and he is devouring. Uh, the, the colonel's books, my books. He's halfway through the reign of the servant kings. He is on the beam. And I encouraged him. I said, you know, I know pastors that don't have that many that come on a Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday night. Anyhow, what we were talking about is that he said, you know, in one of your books you said, there is no neutral in your spiritual transmission. And there is no neutral in God's essence either. Blessing, cursing. We would kind of like to think there's this kind of middle ground. Sometimes we think we can coast in our spiritual life. Uh-uh. We're either moving forward or we're retreating. The third point here is what the righteousness of God accepts, the justice of God blesses. At the moment of salvation, the righteousness of God is imputed to the believer by the justice of God. Now, you might not understand that exactly yet. What does justice have to do with this? Everything. And we're going to look at that. For if you're going to really depend upon this logistical grace, you have to understand that God is fair in supporting you in this fashion. So, the righteousness of God is imputed to the believer by the justice of God. And that justice demands blessings from the justice of God whether we fail or succeed as Christians. Whether you fail or succeed really depends upon your volition, not how talented you are, not what your education is. It depends on how far you want to exploit God's grace. Because you can you can never exhaust the grace of God. And you can go in the spiritual life as far as your positive volition will take you. When I'm talking about positive volition, I'm talking about your hunger to grow up spiritually. That desire to please God, but according to knowledge. We don't want to be those who have a zeal, but not according to knowledge, because that's just a lot of wasted effort. And I don't know about you, as I get older, I want all my effort to count. How about you? And so we want to have that zeal according to knowledge. Here's a few verses that will underscore this. Matthew 6:33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What are all the things? 
well, I just put here logistical grace. I'm a, after a little bit, I have a list of the temporal needs and spiritual needs that God supplies for us in this uh, logistical grace. Everybody is out looking for the logistical grace, and the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Your relationship with God is what's going to really matter in, at, at the end, on the bottom line. That's what it's about. And we need to seek Him. When we seek God, then all the things that we really want are going to be added unto us. And God gives us what really satisfies our soul, not the little fancy things that we think we have to have. And I don't know what your little fancy things might be, but I'm sure you have a list. And I'm not even going to pick on the women today. Because men have them too. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. But now apart from the law, that is the Mosaic law, any works that you can do, apart from that, the righteousness of God has been manifested. Well, how has it been manifested? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. When a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the over 40 things that happen happens is God imputes to you His righteousness. What's so wonderful of that? What's, why is that so wonderful? It's because that we don't have to worry about being accepted by God and being blessed by God because it's our responsibility. God is going to bless us because we have what? His Okay, <clears throat> the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe there is no distinction. In, con in, in context here, it's talking about there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. But what we're focusing on and what I have in red here is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Then we have Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. That we may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law. You see, that's what unbelievers are clinging to. They're clinging to their own self-righteousness, hoping that God is going to accept them on that basis. And that's the big lie. God only accepts believers who have His righteousness. Well, I should say people. He only accepts people who have His righteousness who happen to be those who believed in Jesus Christ, and that's how they acquired that righteousness that they may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, which is the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So there's only one way that anyone is going to acquire God's righteousness, and that's simply through accepting the free gift offer of salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And it only comes as a gift. You can't work for it. 
Now, what, the reason I have these in red because of this next question here. How can God impute His righteousness to us when we believe in Christ without compromising His perfect essence? I mean, what's most important to God is His perfect essence. Those ten attributes that we've been studying. He cannot in any way compromise that. So how can we get His most valuable thing in the universe, His righteousness, how can we get that simply by believing in Jesus Christ? Something's missing. Here's the answer. Because He imputed to Christ something He didn't deserve, our sins, so that He could impute something to us that we don't deserve, which is His righteousness. This is, just called, this is called a judicial imputation. Now what this means is when Christ went to the cross voluntarily, God imputed. Imputed means He credited. or he, I just think that he, he puts in. He puts in something in a place, uh, uh, something in this case it is our sins, in a place that they don't belong, which was in Christ. They don't fit. Christ was perfect. He wasn't a sinner. And our condemnation fell upon Christ. He did not deserve it. Are we all agreed on that? You understand that. All right. That's why God does not compromise His essence when He imputes to us His righteousness. Because we receive God's righteousness, which we don't deserve, and that balances out the equation, this judicial imputation. There always has to be two. Because... When Christ received our sins, which he did not deserve, enabled God to give us his righteousness, which we don't deserve. That's why God is fully, completely, and totally within his bounds of his divine essence by giving us his righteousness because it cost him his own son dying on the cross. That's why he didn't compromise. Now we have something else to consider, justification. We were all justified. You know, I didn't know any of this when I believed in Jesus Christ. In fact, I don't even know when I believed in Jesus Christ. I was reared in a church, and they had an altar call, and I wore the carpet out. I, they, they scared the daylights out of me. I was afraid I was going to hell. And they would say, okay, y'all, you believe in Christ, come on, here I come. And I don't know, one of those times I'm sure, I'm sure it took, maybe, all I know is for a long, long time I know that I've put my entire faith alone in Christ alone. I didn't know anything about justification. I didn't know anything about having God's own righteousness. Did you? I doubt that you did. These are things that you acquire later as you start to grow up spiritually. And then you, have, you acquire a, a greater gratitude to God for all that He's done for you that you didn't even know occurred. And this is, one of them is He's imputed His righteousness, but part, one of the things that has to figure into this is, his, is that we were also justified. How does that work? Look at uh, Romans 4, 5. By the way, that was one of our memory verses, so let's all say it together, okay? Y'all ready? But to the one who, what? Does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Do you see? Justifies the ungodly. The reason I keep it down here, because I don't want you to see what's next. 
We'll get there, but I don't want you to be reading ahead. But now we can go there. Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, why are we justified by faith? We know that by faith we receive God's imputed righteousness. And you can't improve on that. In a positional sense, we are absolutely perfect because we have God's righteousness. And, by the way, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God can't take back His righteousness, nor can He take back His justification. But I want you to see how when you have faith, you acquire God's righteousness. You also acquire eternal life. But you also are justified. Now, how can we be justified just by our faith? Isn't that what an unbeliever might ask you? Or someone that thinks that you have to work for your salvation? Isn't this something that they would, they would say, Well, what do you mean You're, you receive God's own righteousness just because you believe? Well, that's what the Bible says. You mean you're justified before God just because you have faith? And you say, well, that's what the Bible says. But I don't want you to just say it's just because of what the Bible says. I want you to connect the dots and understand why this is important. All of this undergirds the doctrine of logistical grace. How can God justify us when we believe in Christ without compromising His perfect essence? We've already asked that question with regards to His own righteousness. Here's the reason. Because we have His righteousness. Now, it all happens at one time, but we have to, and for us to be able to understand it, we have to kind of break it down and see it kind of like in a sequence. Once we believe in Jesus Christ, we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, which means we are permanently identified with Christ. That's why the Bible says over and over and over, you are in Christ because of that, what, what happened at the moment of salvation. Also, you have God's righteousness imputed to you. And, and, and the way to understand it is that if you can think of a millisecond that you have God's righteousness before He justifies you, but He justifies you because He looks at you, now He sees His own righteousness, and what must He say? Justified. Not based on anything that you do, but based on what He's done for you, which is already credited to you, His own righteousness. And that's why when you have faith in Christ, you're justified because then you possess His own righteousness. Are y'all going to be able to remember this? Tell somebody else. That wasn't very uh, solid. We'll just keep going. There's more. There are three results from the imputation of divine righteousness to the believer. Here's the first one. is being justified. God looks at His own righteousness imputed to us and declares us to be justified. Now, that does away with all this idea and all this hoopla about Lent and eating fish on Friday and all the other, I just call it penance. And let me tell you something. I know I'm standing on solid ground when I say that penance stinketh. Stinks to me and it stinks to God. It's a slap in God's face. We're not justified because we, you know, do all this business and all the razzmatazz? That's an insult. We are justified because when we believed in Christ, God gave us His own, His own righteousness, and He sees the righteousness, and you're justified, period. 
How can He not justify us when we have His own righteousness? Doesn't that bolster your security a little bit there? The second thing that happens with regards to the imputation of God's righteousness is God in, God's impersonal love is changed to personal love because we possess His righteousness. Now, does God love the world? Does He love all mankind? Yes. But He loves them with a, an unconditional love based on who and what He is. We understand that. And He still loves us that way also. But when you believe in Jesus Christ and you have His righteousness then that type of love changes. Now it's a personal type of love. Why is it personal? Because God can only love personally that which is perfect. Are you perfect? That's not a trick question. Just remember what we've been talking about here. Yes, you're perfect. You have God's righteousness. I'm not talking about experientially. I'm talking about positionally. You have God's righteousness. He looks at you as being perfect. And so now he loves you in a way he doesn't love the unbeliever because you possess something that the unbeliever does not. The third thing that is a result of his imputed righteousness is we receive logistical grace. I've heard people say, we're all God's children. Is that true? What? Who's he talking to? I mean, you have to qualify that statement. Everybody... On the earth is not God's children. God created everyone, but He did not. They're not His child until they what? Believe in Jesus Christ. Then they become part of His royal family. Why do we call it royal family? Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Are we in Christ? Yes. Intimately united, permanently united with Jesus Christ. We're in Christ. Therefore, we are royalty because we're intimately associated with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When we become His children, then logistical grace applies to us. God's perfect righteousness is the principle of divine integrity, while God's perfect justice is the function of divine integrity. You got that. You know, I said that earlier. I just want to reiterate it again. It all depends. See, God just doesn't willy-nilly take a spiritual wand and He's blessing some and not others. And uh, on a good day, He might supply your needs and another day, He might not. That's not our God. That is a false God who goes by the name of Allah. But our God takes care of His children. We belong to Him and He provides everything that we need. God cannot accept or bless anything less than perfect righteousness as the object of divine blessing. Man's righteousness is totally unacceptable. And I'm glad. I don't have to do anything to be accepted by God. Now, I'm talking about it in a positional sense. When it comes to being part of the family, you know, being part of the family has its good points and bad points, doesn't it? I mean... We didn't, we didn't pick our, our family. We were just born into a family. And some of you think, man, I'm glad I was born in my family. Some people might say, well, I'll trade places with you. I don't care who your family is, I'll trade with you. <laughs> we don't have any say on who our family is. However, the, 
the point is that we are part of the divine family. And for us to try to stand before God based on our own righteousness, based on the things that we do, that is essentially what keeps people or what sends people to hell. They reject Christ's perfect work on the cross that is offered as a gift of salvation and they stand on their own righteousness. But this, this, is, this is also true in an experience, experiential sense for our believers because there are believers, once they're saved, they think that being a good Christian is being moral. Well, should Christians be moral? Yeah. Is that all that God requires of us? We have a whole spiritual realm that we are to function in that most believers don't even know exists. Most believers, because they are abysmally ignorant of what the Word of God has to say about spiritual matters, they're out there trying to be as moral as they can, thinking that this is spirituality. And they don't even, it never occurs to them that unbelievers are moral. You can't, listen, if you live next to a Jehovah Witness, don't try to out-moral them. You probably won't make it. I mean, they're thinking they're going to heaven on their morality. I mean, and they can lose it if they're not moral enough. We are called to a much higher calling, a spiritual calling. And we recognize that there's nothing that we can do in order to impress God with what we do. God is only impressed with what He does, what He does through us. And it's up to us whether we're going to make that happen or not. Isaiah 64, 6. You know, usually I quote this and I don't quote the entire verse. Listen to the entire verse. For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like what? A filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Now, those people who are trying to work their way are, are maintain their status with God, whatever they think that may be. They under, need to understand, this, is your, this isn't talking about sin. And notice the word all. All of our righteousness. Whatever's the best day you had and the greatest thing you've ever done, God looks at it and He goes, ooh, He's got to hold His nose. Why? Because it's relative righteousness. God cannot accept relative righteousness. Only perfect righteousness, which only He possesses, and those who believe in His Son possess that. Here's another one. Titus 3, 5. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. You ask a lot of people, are you going to heaven? What do, you, do you ever ask people that? I hope you do, or some fashion, some form of it. What is the most prominent response? I hope so. I don't hear any of y'all ever say that. And this is too nice a crowd for me to use the emphasis that I say usually when someone asks me that. They don't understand that not by the deeds of righteousness which they have done because God sees them as what? Filthy rags. But according to His mercy. 
Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. The imputed righteousness of God in every believer is the recipient of all life's support and blessings from God. Between His perfect righteousness and justice, God has found a way to administer logistic grace blessings to every church-age believer. Look at that. Between His perfect righteousness and justice, He's found a way to administer logistical grace blessings to every church-age believer. We're church-age believers. All of us have logistical grace. I mean, the economy is, I don't know what it's going to do. Some say it's getting better. Some say it's getting worse. I think it might tank at any moment. And there are people all over the country that are out of jobs. And what are they worried about? The logistical, the logistical support, right? How am I going to pay the bills? What about people who have been foreclosed on and they lose their job? What about those people? Has God provided them a place of rest if they're a believer in Jesus Christ? Is He going to provide for their needs? Do you understand how powerful this is? It turns off the worry machine. Therefore, a grace pipeline is established between the two attributes of divine essence, excuse me, of a divine holiness or integrity that excludes all human abilities. We don't have much time left, but I do want to do this. Expose you to this anyway. Some of you have seen this before, but you haven't seen it the way I've got it. This is what we call the grace pipeline. Here is the justice of God, and it is goes down to down here. We have the righteousness of God. In other words, this righteousness is imputed to every believer. Here's the some of the verses has to do with you in receiving God's righteousness. Matthew six thirty three, Romans three twenty one through twenty two, Romans four three through five, Philippians three nine. That's a, f- a few. And so what does God have to do when He sees God's righteousness? He has to give us blessings and logistical support. We don't get logistical support because we, we deserve it. We get it because we have what? Come on. We have His support because we have what? Thank you. All right, there it is right there. God's righteousness. Now, that means we have no reason to strut about whenever we're highly blessed by God. Like, oh, man, <laughs> got me a new Mercedes. <laughs> I must really be doing something. Well, I know none of y'all would do that. I don't think any of you have a Mercedes. <laughs> I don't know, maybe you do. I don't Anyway. Uh, and logistical grace support goes through here. Look at this. These are the things that might try to intrude upon in, or penetrate this grace pipeline, but they're all bounce off. Personality, talent, tithing, social action, sacrifice. I don't know why tithing's on there twice. It was just there. I don't know. Self-righteousness, morality, witnessing, prayer, giving, service, sincerity, emotionalism, all those things. Nothing can penetrate It's impenetrable because it has to do with God's essence. And you have His righteousness, 
And that's the basis of everything. What? What a plan. God blesses sinful man without compromising his perfect justice and righteousness because of what we were looking at today. Also, we are not blessed because of what we do for God, but, what, but because of what God has done for us. Not what He's going to do. He's still going to do a lot. But He's accomplished so much already when we believe in Jesus Christ. Now, aren't you glad you have God's righteousness? Aren't you glad that you're justified before God? And you don't have to work. You don't have to improve upon it. But I guess I have to say a disclaimer here. Are you ready for the disclaimer? Once you become a royal family member of God, you're going to get logistical grace. But God is a good and faithful parent. And what comes along with, I mean, you, can, you might get the idea, oh, I've got God's righteousness, I've got my justice, I mean, I've got His justice. I'm going to go out and paint the town. I'm going to let the good times roll. See you in eternity, God. There's also this little thing called divine discipline that comes with being part of the family of God. God isn't like most parents today. I don't know what happened to young people. Uh, they just, all this, uh, what do they call it? Uh, not quiet time. Uh, when, when they, when, oh, yeah, time out. Do you know what would have happened if I would have told my dad, time out? <laughs> yeah, he would have laughed. Time out. No, it's just getting to the good part. God does not leave out the good part. And I don't want any part of it. I don't know about you, but I've been to the divine woodshed, and it is not pleasant. I get amens at the strangest time. I don't get amens on God's righteousness and justice. So, don't think that any of this it means that we have a free pass and now we can ignore God and His Word and just do whatever we want. You can, but I said this Tuesday night. I, know I, I didn't know I was going to be saying it again tonight. Um, or today. God can't make you do anything. But He can make you wish you did. I am so glad of God's plan, aren't you? Huh? More than anything else, I think we struggle with worry. All of us, don't we? I mean, if anybody says, I've never struggled with, with uh, worry... Please see me afterwards. We need to talk. Either you've got something to teach me or I've got something to teach you. I don't know which. Turns off the worry machine. You know, I know believers that have this uh, logistical grace and faith rest in the essence box and the promises circulate in their stream of consciousness. When something reaches out, life has its way of just body slamming you on the turf. And when the wind is knocked out, these, believer, these believers automatically go into these modes of thinking about, okay, God loves me, He's omnipotent, He's omniscient, He's immutable, He 
you can't lie. I go to the promises. And by the way, we're not done. I'm done today nearly, but we're going to go to the promises. I'm saving the, less, uh, the, the, the best for last. Just scriptures. This is all kind of, we're kind of sludging through this kind of academic things about righteousness and justice. And, but we have to do that because I want you to understand from a foundational point of view, God is on solid ground when he gives you what you don't deserve, which is logistical grace support. And you can't lose it because it doesn't depend upon you. He blesses us. This, this is, do you see this word here, blessing? You're not blessed by God because you're so great. None of us are. You and I are blessed from God because we have his righteousness. Now, he might add more grace to it if you start putting the pieces together and you start living as a servant and you start learning things. You can, maybe, you can get what we call super grace. I guess you can go to the Internet and see the six times of graces. I might do that again next Sunday. They say that, uh, Ken, wasn't that one of the highest things on the Internet that they were looking at? Super grace. By the way, those of you who left and didn't stay for the business meeting, <laughs> uh, we had fun in a business meeting. I mean, it was, I, I just was so disconcerted that they didn't tape it. I think it could have gone viral on the YouTube. That's what I think. <laughs> See? Just ask somebody that was there. Okay, y'all. Um, we'll hit this again next time. We're not through with logistical grace, but we got a good foundation to work from. I'd like everyone to please bow your heads and close your eyes. This portion of this service is dedicated to someone who may be here and not recognize and know for certain where they're going to spend eternity. The greatest news that you'll ever hear is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He went to the cross and died for your sins. He took your penalty upon Himself. And as He hung on the cross, He said it is finished. It's complete. Sin issue is taken care of. He was buried and He rose from the grave. And now He offers eternal life to anyone who will trust Him and Him alone for it. You can make that decision right now. When you do, you are born again. You are now a royal family member. You have logistical grace. You have all the assets that God has given to every believer. And you have the potential to be blessed in such a way that we can't even comprehend for all eternity. Now, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your plan. We pray that you will help us to remember these things, especially when the bad news comes, as it most surely always does, that you will quiet our soul, that you will give us that peace that passes all understanding because we understand who we are and who owns us and who provides and take, takes care of us. Pray these things in Christ's most high and holy name. Amen.